Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Patriot Support. My name is Christopher Price of the Boston Globe. Today I am very happy to be joined by Levin Reed of WBZ TV here in Boston. Lev, who is a very good buddy of mine, has been on the Patriots beat for several years. You can find him on Twitter at Levin Reed. That's L-E-V-A-N-R-E-I-D. Lev, thank you so much for hopping on today. Let's get right to it. The Patriots getting back to work today after their bye week, sitting at nine and four, first place in the AFC from a big picture perspective. What do you think about this team as they get ready for their final four regular season games of the year? I feel like they should have another buy because I feel like every time they're off, they gain ground. Um, it's one of the <laughs> weirdest things I've ever seen from this team. Um, big picture. Um, I'm not sure I've been around a Patriots team that's gone through what they've gone through. And I think that's why they're so together. Um, a year off where you have a pandemic and you come back and guys generally, because the community generally, you and I generally love being around people. And you know, with the locker room, they're, they're just a brotherhood. So guys are generally love to be around one another. Now they go two and four. And you and I have been around this team. And your record says what your record is. But they were saying, we're better than two and four. And that was the first time I heard any Patriot team say, this record means nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they go and when they win seven straight. So I don't know if any team that we know that we've covered has taken this step where they have come together in a way that maybe we could not have seen them come together. We've never seen a team go through this much hustle in the middle of the season and, and then towards their bye get hot. And I know you and I thought, um, wow, week 14, isn't that the latest bye you could possibly get? Yeah. Why are they giving them such a late bye? Yeah. Turns out that was a good time for them because they were able to go through all this mess and end out, you know, two-game lead now in the AFC East and still number one seed in the AFC. So what does their future look like? I think they're confident enough to think that they can win all four games. Um, I think the indie game will be tough, but I think they got a couple of weeks, you know, even though this is a shorter bye week because they play on Saturday and they're, they, they had a Monday night football game. It's a little bit of a shorter bye week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're confident in what they have to do. Um, I, I always feel that Miami game is the toughest game on the schedule, especially <laughs> when it's the last game. Um, but it's unprecedented. I think with the last team to take a rookie quarterback wire to wire was the Seattle's, Seattle Seahawks with um, Russell Wilson mm-hmm. um, and go to the playoffs. Um, so I feel like they're playing with house money. That's how I feel. I think they think they have a ton to do and they got to prove things. I, I'm fascinated by, and I'm glad you brought up the two and four record because we've heard out of Foxborough an awful lot over the last few weeks, maybe the last month or so that they said they want to keep that two and four mindset. They want to yeah. keep that two and four approach. What is that? Define that for me. What what does that mean when you're talking about we want to keep the two and four mindset? Um, they were making mistakes that were small, that were costing big games. Um, so therefore, let's go back to practice and work on those small mistakes that can we can improve in those big games. And now we don't make them again. Um, the, one of the biggest games that nobody's going to talk about was the Charger game. The Charger game was a big game because Devin McCourty was sick mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to play. And I did, and I was told that he was really not going to play. But Bill said, hey, Devin, I just need you to play center field. Just play center field. Because if you play center field, then that allows Adrian Phillips to do what he does best. So therefore, let's, let, I don't care if you get beat, just play center field. And then what does Adrian Phillips get to do in the sections that game? 
because he's able to do what he had to do. And Devin was able to do what they had to do. That's the little things. <laughs> That's the little thing. I just need you out there to cover this. I'll give you another thing. They played the, the, the last game they just played against, I forget the team. I don't know why I'm forgetting the team. Monday night, they played the Bills. Mm-hmm. So they're playing the Bills. So they beat the Bills. And you and I saw probably the fourth quarter the same way. Devin McCourty, Adrian Phillips, they cannot guard Darson Knox. There was some holding going on that was all-time holding. That was all of fame holding. <laughs> and, and there was no flags. We were like, oh, my God. And they came out in the locker room and they said, um, the post game, man, this was a great win. We really missed Duggar. We really missed Duggar for this game. And that's what that is. That's the little things. The little thing is this guy's supposed to do this job and he does it so well that, you know what? We need him to do that job. I think even, even their, their best player right now in Matthew Judon, there's been times when he's not holding the edge and a big run comes through. And then we get into the post game and he says, I got to hold the edge better. He knows what's wrong. They all know what they were doing wrong. And now they're just trying to correct it in practice. And that, that two and four mindset is even when you're winning, you're like, man, I don't know if we played the, our best football or we're still making mistakes that could cost us big in games. So I think they understand that they got to clean up the small mistakes because they're costing them, you know, one game is 10 in the NFL. They're costing them, a, a you know, a 10 game situation. We are sitting here in mid-December as we're, we're recording this on, what, December 13th, and we're talking mm-hmm. about the possibility of them running the table, which would be an 11-game win, what, a, a, an 11-game win streak to finish. An 11-game win streak, yeah. Which is unbelievable in, in my <laughs> eye. I mean, I don't think we've ever, you, you've covered the team for a while, I've covered the team for a while, and you, you, you see when a team gets on a roll and things start to kind of coalesce and things start to gel and they're clearly, you know, there's, there's a clear sense of momentum with this team. I, I'm just blown away by the fact that, you know, we were sitting here in what mid October saying, well, they're two and four, are they going to make a trade? Are they going to kind of fold on the season? Is this another rebuilding year? And now again, we're talking about an 11 game win streak to end yeah. the season, which is absolutely amazing to me. Let me go through these last four games and I want you to rank them by let's call it anxiety level from highest to lowest. You know what? Actually, let's just toss out the Jacksonville game because, yeah, you know, look. There's no anxiety level in that game. Yeah, there's no anxiety level. With <laughs> no that. anxiety Rank level. Rank for me, then the other three games, by anxiety level, if you're a Pats fan, this weekend on the road against Indy, home against the Bills, and then they finish up on the road against the Dolphins. Which one should make Patriots fans maybe the most anxious here? Probably this week, this one against the the, the Colts. This one against the Colts should make the most anxious. The Colts do what the Patriots do. They run the ball well with a big offensive line, and that's that's something. They're going to come right at you, and you're going to have to try and stop their running attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying the Pats, notoriously, they haven't been great at that. Like, if you can run the ball well, um, th- they're going to struggle in stopping the run. And they're going to, you know, whether it be Derrick Henry or Derrick Henry's people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> behind when they played the Titans, Titans got like 260 yards. You know, they ran the ball well. Um, so if you can run the ball well, the Pats are going to have problems with you. Um, and I think that's going to be the biggest game that they have a problem with. John Stewart can get it going. He can get it going. So if you're trying to stop him, slow him down, and let Carson Wentz beat you, that's what you're going to have to do. Do you put another guy in the box and go man-to-man? That's what you're going to have to do. But if you're Frank Reich, you're like, Frank Reich is notoriously, this is what we do well, we're going to keep doing it. And I like that mentality because the Patriots have that mentality. This is what we do well. Let's just keep doing it. Um, Mike Vrabel has a mentality. You lost Derrick Henry. I don't care. This is what we do well. <laughs> okay, we run the ball. Um, so that's what we're going to do. So they're still going to run the ball. They're still going to get at you with Jack Doyle. Um, and, they're, they're gonna, you know, you're going to have to figure it out. I think that game in the Dome, um, that was the original rivalry, let's say, you know, between the Pats and the Colts. 
Um, that's one of the games that's going to have a lot of fever. And, and the Pats are <clears throat> coming off a situation where they have a bye. You know, so, you know, maybe they're a little bit rusty. Um, young quarterback in a dome, you know, it's it's a different thing. I think the Bills game is more of a revenge game for the Bills, mm-hmm. where the Patriots are sitting around going, well, we we didn't even show you our playbook. We we threw the ball three times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we still have a lot to show you. You know, we threw, we threw out the play. We have a so the, the, I feel like they have game in hand on that. Where where we threw the ball three times. We showed you all. We showed you three running plays. Watch, watch when we show you six running plays. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, Jaguars is Jaguars, and Miami's tough because um, I just feel like the end of the season they're going to be tough. But I will say this about Miami. Um, there are two guys on this team, Van Noy and Ted Karras. Ted Karras may have made the biggest difference on this offense um, that people are not talking about. And the only reason I know this is because the defensive players say Ted Karras sets the tone. And I was like, really? And they were like, he's as nasty an offensive lineman as I've ever seen. And that sets the tone. And Ted Karras left Miami in a huff because he didn't like what he, and he was told, you know, this is gonna be great. And they let him go. And Kyle Van Noy left Miami in a huff <laughs> because he was told one thing and something else happened and he was – so I think those two, that game going to Miami will be a big game for those two guys um, and they're going to play well. Um, but I, I that, that that indie game is a tough game. The, the Miami late in the year – I don't know just, why. I, I don't just, know why. And it's for years <laughs> and years. And we've heard – and I'm, I'm sure you've talked to when, – when I used to do the radio show with Fourier and Fourier would talk about when they would go down there – and it would just be in their heads. And yeah. just playing in Miami late in the year, it was just something they couldn't get over. And then eventually they got over it and they won, but it's been back and forth. We've seen, I remember, I think it was in 2004 when they went down there, and I want to say Jim Bates was the interim head coach, yeah. and Jason Taylor sacked Brady like four times or something. Late in the year in Miami, just there's no practical reason when you look at the numbers this year and when you look at the matchups this year, there's no practical reason for that game scaring us, but you know, scaring, scaring me, you know, but, but then you yeah. look at it, you go, you look at history and say, Oh man, you know, I've seen this. I've seen this story before. The Steven Jackson game that cost them yeah. maybe a trip to the Super Bowl. Yeah. you know, that cost them maybe a trip because now they're on the road in Denver instead of being at home. And like, you know, all of us are watching a game. Like you guys, you realize you need to win this game. <laughs> this is important <laughs> to win this game. And they didn't win it. I mean, there's so, I remember watching it when it was the first game of the season. And I remember looking on the sideline and seeing Grunk gassed because it was so hot in September. And he was like, I don't know why, why we play these games in September here. And then I've been watching it at the end of the season, like you mentioned, where they go to Miami and you know, they're like, it's, you know, they need to win it or, you know, and they just, they just can't figure it out. They can't put it together. That, that game, the game against Miami is always a tough one. I don't know what it is. If they can beat Indianapolis in Indy, and mm-hmm. if they can beat Miami in Miami, they have a chance to finish the regular season on the road undefeated, which is something yes. I think we're not talking enough about here. You look at the 2007 team, you look at the 2016 team. Those are the only two Patriots teams that went undefeated on the road. That, for me, is a sign that this team is made of pretty pretty strong stuff. Let me tell you something, and I'll ask you because I miss you in the, in the, in the room where I can bounce questions no. off of you. Um, how impressive a job is Josh McDaniels doing? Um, because the noise says you should treat your rookie QB like he's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You know, why isn't he throwing the ball down the field? Why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing? This? And I'm sitting here going, "Oh, he's a rookie, right? Did I miss the? Did, did I miss a year in my life? <laughs> How impressive <laughs> is it? Is it um, 
to watch Josh McDaniel handle this kid correctly um, to a point where, and again, I'm, I'll say this about Mac Jones. He doesn't get frazzled. I don't know what this kid is made of, um, but whatever it is, they got to really, you know, I don't know if he sleeps in a lab or, or whatever, you know, or, or anything like he charges himself in a plug. I have no idea how this kid is wired. Um, but the job that Josh McDaniels is doing, um, is he, is he, is he right now can write his, do you think he can write his ticket to another yeah. job? Yeah, yeah. I, I think what he's doing or what he's done with Mac Jones to at least to this point in the season has put himself back in conversation when it comes to another head coaching job. And I'm not saying that he's going to get another job this off season or another year or two down the road, but when you can walk into an, an owner's office and right. say, look, I not only helped shepherd Tom Brady, I got him from here to here. I took a rookie quarterback and got him into the, at least got him into the postseason, you know, and, and who oh. knows where he's going to be able to go from there. But I think he has changed the conversation around his potential as a head coach. I th I'll, yeah. I'll say that. And I'm going to say that because of this. After that game that we omitted, that Jaguar game, mm -hmm. I'm going to bet you money that we're going to hear Urban Meyer is going to leave, and now you have a young QB, Trevor Lawrence. And they're going to watch what they did with Mac Jones. And they're going to say, you know what, Urban? Maybe this is not for you. Maybe we should go look at that guy on the other sideline. Mm -hmm. That's why I think that game is important. That makes a lot because, of sense. That makes an awful lot of sense. Because yeah. they're going to say, Urban, you know what? Look what he did with the, the, the 15th pick. Mm -hmm. We have the number one pick. You should be able to protect this kid better and do a lot better job with him. I and, think that game is going to be a very interesting game. I, I And it's remarkable to consider where Josh McDaniels was. His stock was two, three years ago after he backed out of the Indianapolis job. And to be able to come back now and kind of remake himself a little bit with Mac Jones as his latest pet project. I think that says a lot about where he is and maybe a lot about where his stock is in NFL circles. I, I want to ask you too, and we, we've been, we've covered this team for an awful long time. And sure. I'm hearing a lot of comparisons to the 2001 team. I've okay. talked to a lot of people about it. I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast about it. You were there back then. We were there back then. I want to get your take on whether or not there is a validity to that to be able to compare this team, this roster, this group with the team that ended up winning it all in 2001. Um, I think the feeling is the same. The feeling is the same. The roster is not that, that roster wasn't as high price as this roster. I mean, you brought in guys, you spent what, $150 million or $200 million bringing guys who could, you know, who are under 20, under 30. You paid them a lot of money from Judon to Hunter Henry to John o. Smith. You didn't have that. I mean, that, that team didn't have this much talent. <laughs> it just didn't. It just didn't. You know, I mean, you have talent on this team. Um, I mean, this team maybe has the best offensive line in football. You know, if you're playing with Trent Brown and you bring Michael Wenu, who can who can play as an extra tight end or just, you know, eligible 71. Um, I think the feeling, though, because coming into the year, maybe you had less of an expectation. So I think that's what people's feelings are. I don't, I don't know. Um, and, you know, and at that 2001 team towards the end of the season had a young quarterback that you kind of had to handle um, in Tom. Um, I think that's what it is. Um, so it's, I, I, I will say this, it's a deja vu feeling. Like we've all seen this before and we understand what we're looking at. Um, Matthew Judon could double for what, you know, what Willie McGinnis was at the time. Uh, Richard Seymour and, and Christian Barmore. Okay. I've seen that before. You know, I know what that looks like. Anthony Pleasant and Devon Godchow. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before. 
I know what that looks like. Oh, Ty Law was a young guy. So is J.C. Jackson. <laughs> so I've seen, I have envisioned what it looked like. I know what it looked like. I can call out the numbers and the peoples and the players and understand. I feel like Brandon Bolden was playing both of those times, by the way. <laughs> you know, I feel like Brandon Bolden was on both teams. He's Brandon Bolden, so we're going to be, we're going to be sitting here in 10 years and Brandon Bolden is still going to be a running back. <laughs> Part-time special teamer, teamer exactly. is never going to leave the Patriots. Exactly, exactly. I feel like he was playing on both those teams, and you know, you know, it's just so like I, I understand how how it looks the same to a lot of people. Um, this team, though, it's much more talented. I don't, I don't know that if the tight ends on that team were as good as the tight ends on this team. I mean, Wiggins and I forget whoever was out Rod there. Rod Rutledge maybe, was the other. Rod one, yeah. Rutledge. Yeah. They're not as talented as Hunter Henry and and John Smith. That wasn't the case. Um, that's just not, I mean, and, and, and Kendrick Bourne is as fearful, as fearless a guy out there as possible that we see out there. Um, I mean, the, the one thing I will say, I don't know how Belichick does it or the Patriots organization as a scouting team does it. I don't know how they just find kickers and they're able to get kickers and punters <laughs> that, that yeah. can get the job. I don't know how they do it because there's teams around the league notoriously who can't get that job done. And the Patriots never miss, <laughs> never miss at that, never miss at that. So that's a thing. Um, yeah, it, it gives you the same feeling. I don't know if I can compare those two teams because the money being thrown around to put this team together was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's interesting you bring up the kicker because I was talking to Mike Reese about this. And for him, that's the thing that surprised him the most about this team. The fact that Nick Folk was out of football for what two years? Two years, and they two bring years. him back, and he is as good as anyone right now in the National Football League. And we both know that when it comes to January football, you need to be able to run the ball, you need to be able to play good defense, and you need to have standout special teams. And with Nick yeah. Folk, you can check at least you know we know for certain that Nick Folk is going to be that guy. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. I'm fascinated to see how he's responded since he missed that kick at the end of the Tampa Bay game. Look, it was an impossible kick, but at the same time, I think a lot of other kickers would not have responded in the way that he's responded since then. He's been absolute money. And again, your, your, your point is very valid that they've been able to get that position it's, really it's unreal. consistently over the last 20 years. I mean, like you're not getting Justin Tucker, and I get it. You know, Justin Tucker's a once-in-a-lifetime kicker. You get him, and you have him for as long as you can. He's Mariano Rivera. But you go through, like, what, three, four decades, <laughs> and you, you only have three kickers, and all of them are potential Hall of Famers, or you can, you can make a, you know, a vote for them to be in the Hall of Fame. Nick Folk now steps in in a situation. Um, and I honestly, I was saying when they were two and four, I was, talk I was like, man, imagine if he wants to go back to his family in Dallas. Because Dallas needed a kicker, you know, maybe he would go to Bill Hake. And, and as they started to get better, I was like, okay, because <laughs> they need to keep the kicker. <laughs> the kicker is so important. Points on the board is needed here. You know, let's, let's make sure. And he's, and, and for Devin McCoy, for guys who have been here to say, well, we just, you know, they don't even look, you know, if he misses, they're like, what happened? <laughs> you know, like, because they don't even pay attention to it as much. And that, that whole mechanism between Cordona, and Jake Bailey, I mean, that is so solid. That is so solid to Nick Folk. That's a so solid where you don't have to worry about it. Um, I think that's a big deal. I'm fascinated that you bring up the Ted Kara situation because I have two different questions on that. First mm -hmm. of all, again, you're down there on a regular basis, and I'm, I want you to explain to people why they decided to go with Ted Karras at guard, even though Michael Wenyu was, is, is at least physically ready to go. There was a lot of talk that, Mike should be put right back in the lineup. You should take mm -hmm. Ted out. 
you know, he's a, you know, when he was a guy who had great numbers last year, he was, you know, he, he seems to be a good fit. He can play a lot of different positions, but they've decided to go with Ted Karras. Why? Well, two reasons. One, um, Isaiah Wynn is not as strong on that left side and you need to take care to be on that left side Two, Isaiah Wynn is not as nasty on that left side. So you needed someone to be on that left side nasty. And more importantly, um, there could be a chance that David Andrews gets hurt and I need Dave, I need him to hear him and it could be on, we're not moving, Sha- moving Shaq Mason. That side is it's solid. So I need him to hear. And there's an extra captain on that line, meaning David Andrews is the captain. But Ted Karras is the backup center, and I, he needs to be close enough to understand what's going on with Mike Jones, uh, Mac Jones, and just to have him there solidifies that side just a little bit more for them. Um, Ted Karras has come in and quietly set the tone, and I and I, I I'm shocked to hear more and more, you know, whether it be Devon Godchild, Christian Barmore, you know, Matthew Judon, Dante Hightower, um, you know, guys just say if Ted Karras is not there, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, I guess he, he, he's playing with such a veracity and anger that they're just like, yes, that's what needed to happen. This is what needs to do. And those guys were shocked at how hard he plays. And I was like, Ted Karras? <laughs> like, we talked about Ted Karras? And they were like, yes, that's the dude who's doing it. And I, I, I feel everybody was on the Owenu train, and I was on it too. But again, we were, it, was during a, it was during a pandemic, and everything was different. And you bring back Trent Brown. Um, and you're just trying to find a fit that works. And I think like no one's going to think about it, but I like the, the jet game when they started to go ahead and when they started to be able to say, okay, let's work on some things that we can't work on and practice against one another. Let's work on it against the jets. Cause they're so sorry. So let's, let's get the line together. Let's figure this out and get it done. And when they worked on the, one of the things in that jet game is they had, uh, um, what's his name? Back up the backup QB in there, Brian Hoyer for a couple of plays, but they kept the same offensive line to see if it would work regardless. And it worked. It was comfortable. And Brian Hoy pointed it out. And I think, I don't think Michael Owen was like his days are numbered or anything like that. I just think for the situation they're running in and when they want to run the ball and they want to go with that sixth offensive lineman, I think it works well this way for them um, that they can use it. Um, I think Karras has to be like, I, I know, I don't think a when is better at the position in Karras. I don't think that's, I don't think that's the case. I think Michael Wenwood is a, is a good tackle. Mm-hmm. I don't know, or in a good offensive lineman, let's say, because they play them everywhere on the line. But I don't think he's better at the position and has as much, he doesn't have as much experience. Um, and he's seen as much different players as he's seen as Karras. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Karras, for me, is one of those guys, and I'm glad you also bring up Barmore in that conversation. We, we know the bigger names this year, Judon, Mac Jones, Stevenson, Hightower, McCourty, you're around them on a daily basis, these guys, but, but give me the name of a guy on this roster. We should be talking about more than we are an under the radar type. Who's probably not going to make the pro bowl, but deserves more praise than he's been getting. Is it Karras? Is is he Karras? It's Karras and it's Kyle Duggar. Um, I'm shocked. Uh, Like I really need to know what's going on at Lenore Ryan. Uh, college that they're able to draft Kyle Duggar. I just don't, I don't know how they got him to go there. I mean, Kyle Duggar, like it was hard for me to think that could you replace Patrick Chung because he was so physically strong at what he did and how he was able to handle guys, but with, you know, the tight ends and also go up into the box. Kyle Duggar is taking on 300 pound linemen and not blinking. <laughs> just, 
okay, I'll knock this guy out and I'll knock another guy out. And I don't understand. And it's, it's something to watch how strong, how physically gifted and fast he is, has good hands, um, how powerful he is. Um, that's something I didn't think I would, you know, it's, it, and you know, you, it's one of those things that you only when you're watching it over and over and over again, that you, you, you appreciate what he's doing. Ted Karras is the same guy. You, when you watch it over and over again, I mean, no one knows who he is. He's on the line. He, the linemen are notoriously quiet. But when you watch him, he's he, over and over and over again. Um, and maybe maybe the other team will say, well, Ted Karras, yeah, we'll give him a vote, you know, because they know who he is. But that, that's one thing that, that you're seeing that's very good. And I know it's not a popular pick. I'm going to say this. There is no blocking wide receiver better than Nikhil Harry in this league. I've had that conversation with people too. And yeah. it's part of the discussion. You have to say that as part of the discussion, because you know, as well as I do, that if you're going to be a wide receiver in new England, you have to be able to block. Right. right. He does a good job. Look, I, okay, here, I, I have this, I have this idea that I floated the other day and I wanted to get your take on this, this off season, turn him into a tight end. I, I would think you would want to. He's big enough to be a tight end, but I think he wants to leave. Mm-hmm. I think this offseason, he's going to say, look, I would like to catch the ball more. And I would like him to catch the ball more. I would, I would, I would hope that he would, you know, I, I, I'd pull and root for him because I think he's a good kid. I really like him. And I think what he does, he does all the dirty work. And I, and I would like him to catch the ball more, but I don't think they want him to. You know, I don't think I, I don't. And, and I know they, they respect him because after the, the punt that they put him back there against Buffalo, where he should never have been back there, no, no. Uh, you know, they put him back there again, yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, because they were like, you earned the right to get back here because they were like, he has short hands. And I'm like, well, if you think he has short hands and bad weather, why don't you ever throw to him? Throw the ball to him, man. <laughs> throw exactly. the ball to him. Yeah. Never throw the ball to him. You know, what, you know, Lev, that for me, having him back there just felt a little bit like, okay, let's see some other, let's see if he can do some other things because we're not completely enamored of him, you know, when it comes to him being a traditional wide receiver. So let's see if he can return punts. Let's see if he can do this. It feels like they're just looking for something for him to do. Okay. But you, but you don't have an, an all you, you have an all pro punt returner. He's all pro. Okay. You have the best in the business at, at punt returning. What are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't make any sense yeah. to try him out when you have this guy who's all pro. He's not a pro bowler. He's all pro. He's the best in the business at it. So no, there's no reason for you to try him out. I, I just, for me and the, the bills, I, I don't know what to make of the bills at this point. And they built a team in Western New York that can't run the ball and can't play in cold, weather. which, which, is incredibly confusing to me. And look, if I'm Sean McDermott, look, first of all, if I'm Sean McDermott, I'm hoping that I'm still around next year, but say, look, I need a running back. I need a guy who can get me a thousand yards. I need a guy who can get me four yards to carry. I have a lot of respect for the way that they battled in the second half yesterday against the Mm -hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, especially after the way they reacted losing to the Patriots. But I just cannot see them as a major player in the AFC race the rest of the way. I, I, I thought I read that they played that first half and I watched that game. They're down 21, four to three at the half. They didn't run the ball once in the first half. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Slow that down. Like, I think they thought Zach Moss was going to be the player that he was, you know, a running back that they could use to be that thousand yard rusher. So he's not. So you're going to use your high price quarterback, your best player to run the ball and get over a hundred yards. How ridiculous is that? He can run, and it's great to see him him do that, but that's not sustainable. 
exactly. in the National Football League. You, you're not going to be able to. You're not going to be able to see him. You're not going to see him rush for a hundred yards every week. He's going to take too much punishment. Yeah. So, so I don't understand how they built a team that way. Um, and also, they built a team to beat Kansas City. So they, 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 their thought is, we're, we're not going to play anybody else with Kansas City 16 times. So I, I don't get – they're so small. They're so small. They physically are going to get thrown around the ring all the time. And that's what you saw. Like, the, one, the reason why – I'm at that game in Buffalo. And the reason why fans were so upset and why the media attacked the Buffalo Bills because they physically got beat. They, they physically, in a game, they were out-toughed. You know, we, and, and you saw Sean McDermott, like, lose his mind on the sideline. He's losing his mind because his team is getting out-toughed. What, what Bill Belichick says, we're just tougher than you. That's all that is. We're just tougher than you. We're going to run the ball. Look, I'm going to call three plays. I'm going to yell it from my sideline so you guys can hear it. And just stop it. <laughs> you know, if you stop it, you win. If you don't, you know. I mean, how do you put 11 guys in the box and one guy gets through? And he, he runs for a touchdown. How does that happen? Like they had eight runs over 15 yards. You have 11 in the box. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, how does that happen? And they're not running around the end. <laughs> they're running up the middle. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand I, how they built that team. I look, I, I, we're, we're going to start to wrap up here a little bit, but I got another question for you, and I'm glad that you bring up the Christian Barmore. Richard Seymour comparison because sure. I've had a couple other people on this podcast make that comparison and starting to think that looking looking at Barmore and looking at Seymour and going I can kind of see that yeah you know yeah. look in Richard is Richard should be in the Hall of Fame yes. and I'm not advocating for Barmore to you know for a gold jacket you know, quite yet but it's clear that they got something there with this kid um, you know he drops to the second round because of whatever because of however they feel. Um, he started football late, so he's still learning the game. Um, but he's so physically gifted and strong. He's fast, his motor is good, and he wants to play football. You know, so he doesn't want to take any time off. He wants to get out there and be an every-down player. Um, and I think that gives – if when they line up, I think when they line up Barmore and Judon on the, on, on the line, I think that's one of the things that teams are just dread because Barmore can take two guys by himself. Or you're going to double-team Judon – Guess what? You let, let Barman get to the quarterback, then see how that turns out for you. <laughs> one, of the, one, of, one of the things that, that, that Matt Chatham was saying that like he loved playing alongside Richard because Richard made him look good. Richard would take right, exactly. up multiple, you know, multiple blockers and it would free him up. And I think we're starting to see some of that too with Barmore and Jude on at least on that side. I saw Barmore throw one guy into another guy to get to the quarterback. And I thought that was the most impressive thing I'd seen. I'm like, he threw a man into a man and got to the quarterback. And I was like, man, <laughs> that, that is, that is like, you know, when, when the other team sees that on film, they're like, did you, did that just happen to you? <laughs> Cause he just threw you into that dude over there. Setting so aside it, Mac Jones is Barmore, your team rookie of the year, or is it Stevenson or would you give it to someone else? Well, probably Barmore. I would probably give it to Barmore. There's a lot of, I mean, they have a lot of good players on this team who are just unsung and understand it. Stevenson's just starting to come on and, and they have a good back in Stevenson. They really do. They found something there. Um, if you were to say who's my team MVP, mm -hmm. honestly, it would probably be Brandon Bolden because I, I don't know if the team thought what they were going to do when they lost James White and he goes down and they had to solidify that third down role. And then you still have Brandon Bolden doing whatever he has to do. But all of a sudden in the running back room, he's got that under control. He's able to give Mac Jones, you know, that third down blocker that they need. 
And all of a sudden, he's a, a weapon on offense. I mean, he's kind of given them everything they needed in that James White role, and maybe a, li- a little bit more because he plays on special teams, and you know he's catching the ball in the backfield, and he's he's hungry. He didn't play last year, so he's hungry. He chased around his kids all last year. He's hungry. He likes being here. Um, so I, I think that would be my 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 offensive MVP of that team. It's kind of remarkable that this team is doing this without James White. It's crazy that they're doing it without James White. Um, Because we know the value of James White and what he does. Because James White, as they say, does everything correct. So you know, like it's it's and he we started to see early on when they were in the season, even though we're losing games, um, his value with being able to have him out there, being able, okay, you know what, my check down can be James White. It's fine. Uh, You know, whatever happens, I'll find James White, and everything's going to be okay. And you had that, and now you have that in Brandon Bolden and and small, you know, small specs. But at the same time, he's in there. He gives a blow to you know. Uh, Damian Harris. He doesn't fumble. Um, he's and, he, and he's he's dependable. He plays every game. He he was there in. Has he been there for a decade? I feel like I, this is. I remember his season. breakout game yeah. was in Buffalo when he rushed for like 120 yards, and all of a sudden everyone's like, "Who the hell's Brandon Bolden?" And he's yeah. been. It just he's been around the team. He's just one of those guys who doesn't really get hurt. Does you know he's cost effective? He's good in the yeah. locker room. He's and he can do a lot of different things, and it's just amazing to be able to look at his career arc and see yeah. what he's been able to do and how long he's been able to stick around. And it's just an an absolute tribute to he. He is in a lot of ways one of those perfect Patriot players. I love the fact that there are a lot of players on this team that spent that one year in Miami to get warm again, and then they were like, um, "Oh, you know, okay, I got, I got to go." <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you know everybody likes the sun, but too much sun will you know cause problems. So I gotta it'll, go. It'll make you crazy. It'll make you <laughs> crazy. crazy. Look. Too much sun makes you crazy. Yeah, <laughs> gotta go. so, so, yeah. I gotta I, go back I, to New England. I, I want to wrap things up here, and I got asked this question. You've been with Channel Four for an awful long time. You know Steve Burton just about as well as anyone out there. Sure. I want to get your favorite Steve Burton story. There's so many. There really is so many because Steve is um, from the alligator story to him like after with the alligator you know i am i am fixing his suit and everything to like um he pronounced uh sotaguchi was a, a, the baseball player for the red sox and he didn't he read it wrong so he was like so to gucci and we were like no that's the guy's name it's like that <laughs> but i'll give you one recently uh, uh jacoby myers gets the touchdown so we're both in the room and if you're in the patriots uh interview room you have to wear a mask so here comes kendrick Bourne. And Kendrick Bourne is up there, and I'm, I, you know, I raise my hand, and Steve raises his hand, and Steve looks at me and goes like this, pulls his mask and that, don't ask my question. And I go, I don't know what your question is. And he goes, you know what my question is, don't ask it. I'm like, I have two questions. And he goes, whatever my question is, don't ask it. I'm like, I'm not a psychic friend. I don't know your question. So I go to Barmore, uh, Chris, I go to Kendrick Bourne, I said, hey, what would you like to celebrate with Jacoby Myers? On a touchdown. <laughs> and Steve looks at me and goes like this. <clears throat> so we're over, and he's not talking to me through the post game. And I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, he's like, I told you not to ask my question, and you asked my question. I'm like, Steve, you all of a sudden you seem, you assume that I know what your question is. And I go, but to be fair, I knew what your question was. <laughs> but to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I did. I did. And he was just laughing hysterically. He was laughing. Hysterically. He's such a genuinely great guy. And I, I would say this: like it is. We've been in the business. You know how hard it is to work with people sometimes, and everything like that. Um, Steve is Steve is our lead anchor. 
uh, in sports. And he's by far one of the, the nicest people I've ever been around. I enjoy working with the group I work with. Um, it makes it easy to come to work every day. So it's, it's fantastic. I have no complaints about my job. Um, you're missed down there, trust me. But I, I know you're doing fantastic. I get a chance to read you. I get a chance to see everything you're doing. So I'm, I'm happy for you, man. I appreciate that, love. Hopefully we can, we, can, we can hook this up again somewhere down the road. Definitely, anytime. Just hit me up. You know it. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.